blessed are those who know the festal shout. That's what it says in Psalm 118. And I told you last week that that's not a murmur, right? It's not a whisper. It's not a whimpering. It is truly a shout. We shout to the Lord Jesus, even if we don't use the top of our lungs, but in faith, by faith, we are shouters. The Lutheran church has never been known as a shouting church, and I don't want it to become a shouting church because there's lots of problems with that. But, but that intensity, that's what we're after. The intensity of those who shout and the commitment of those who know the festal shout, that's what Advent is a good time to recover. A sense that there are important things worth not just murmuring about, worth not just muttering about, but worth actually singing about, worth shouting about. And so last week we looked at that great word, Hosanna. It's a well-known one for us, right? It's a Hebrew word, though, Hosanna. This week I'm going to teach you one that I think is probably less well-known. It's Maranatha. Let me repeat that. Maranatha. How many of you have ever used that word? Be honest. Raise your hand if you've actually used Maranatha. There's one, two people up in the balcony. Okay, you can turn around and look at the strange people who know the word Maranatha. But the psalm says, blessed are they, for they know the festal shout. That word Maranatha is an Aramaic word. And it's one of the only Aramaic words that remains in the Bible. At the end of the book of 1 Corinthians, St. Paul preserves the Maranatha word, the Aramaic word Maranatha. But even if you don't know the Aramaic word, chances are all of you know this prayer. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest and let thy gifts to us be blessed. Amen. You know that one? It's one word. You say it before you eat. You say it while you're thinking about all the food that's on the table that you want to stuff into your face, and so you say it as fast as you can. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. I don't think it's. That's what Maranatha means. Come, Lord. Not the other stuff, but it means come, Lord. Our Lord, come, Maranatha. And that's the shout that we want to have on our lips tonight, for Maranatha expresses our hope. And I want to compare it for a minute with you to that table prayer that I just mentioned, that we love to pray. Think of the difference between saying, come Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let thy gifts to us be blessed, versus simply saying, Maranatha, come Lord. When you pray, come Lord Jesus, be our guest, you start to put kind of limits on what Jesus is to do. Come Lord Jesus and be my guest. Now think about what that word guest implies. I'm not saying this is a bad prayer to have at the table, but I want to emphasize for you how wonderful the Maranatha prayer is. Right? If I tell you I want you to be a guest in my house, that implies something. It implies that you don't actually belong there, right? It implies that there is a time for you to show up and that there is a time for you to be gone. There is a time for you to appear in my house if you are my guest, and there is a time for you to get out of my house. And there are things in my house that you really shouldn't touch if you are my guest. But if you actually are to make yourself at home, well, that gets a little different. When we pray, come Lord Jesus, we don't put any limits on him. When we pray, Maranatha, we say, come Lord Jesus, not as a guest, not just for a little while, for the time before the meal to the time slightly after the meal, 
but we want Jesus to come and abide with us, for the day is almost over. Abide with us, Lord, for the evening is coming. That is our prayer. That is our hope in Advent. And not only do we want him to come and remain, but we also don't put any limits on what it is that he should or should not do. Now, when we say the table prayer, we have food in mind, right? And so we're about to dig into um, all of these potato chips. And so we pray, Jesus, somehow make this blessed for me. <laughs> somehow turn all of these trans fats into something that will be good for me. Isn't that what it means to bless the food? We have a specific idea of what it is that we want Jesus to do. But when we pray Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, notice we don't put any limit on what it is he should do. Come and make yourself at home, Jesus, and do whatever it is that you want. Now, that's a dangerous prayer. That's a dangerous thing to say to anyone, isn't it? Come over and make yourself at home. Well, what if you start doing things that I don't like? What if you start putting your feet in places you're not supposed to put your feet? What if you start going into rooms that haven't been cleaned? What if you start doing things that I don't like? When we pray to Jesus, come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, we are saying to him, it's yours. Come and do with it what you will. It is your house. It is your world. It is all yours, Lord Jesus. Just come and take care of whatever you want to take care of. You heard that really well put in that Isaiah reading, didn't you? You heard the intensity of Isaiah, the prophet, who called out for the Lord to rip apart the heavens and come down. Why? Because life in Israel at that time had become unbearable. Unbearable how? Well, unbearable in the sense that nobody cared much about anything. Nobody feared the Lord anymore. No one pursued his word. Nobody cared about his commandments. Life was godless. Sound familiar? And so Isaiah called out, Come down, O Lord, and show yourself again. Because there are some things that just a message doesn't do anymore, right? We live in a world that's full of words, 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 words. We made our screens, and now our screens have refashioned us. And it's nice, isn't it, to be able to control what the message is that comes out and what the message is that comes in. It's nice to be able to say, instead of coming over to your house, I can just call you. It's nice that nobody really comes into my house without calling first. We can kind of put limits on what people can do. But there are times where words fail. And in the days of Isaiah, it was one of those times. They did not need another message from the Lord. They needed him to come, to show himself, to do the things that he did of old. And so Isaiah called out Maranatha, even though he didn't use that word. You heard it also in the Revelation reading. That's the very last passage in the Bible, Revelation 22. How does the Bible end? It ends with this prayer, come Lord Jesus. Not come Lord Jesus and just stay for a little while, not come Lord Jesus and just handle a couple of things that I want you to do, but just come Lord Jesus and fix it all. Isn't that our hope in Advent, that the Lord Jesus would not be hidden anymore, that he would forego his throne and come back, that he would appear in all of his glory and handle whatever the problem is, 
that he would deal with sin, that he would deal with apathy, that he would deal with our coldness, that he would deal with our lukewarmness, that he would deal with all of our problems, that he would deal with sickness, that he would deal with corruption, that he would deal with death. All of that is lumped up in this prayer, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. And that prayer, Maranatha, doesn't just express a hope but it also expresses a conviction. It is a prayer of unshakable joy because there's something wonderful about this little Aramaic word that doesn't come through in English. See, if you put a space in the word, if you put a space in between the letters N and A, so that instead of saying Maranatha, you say Maranatha, something changes. Instead of meaning, come, O Lord, the meaning changes to our Lord has come. And isn't that our conviction? That not only will the Lord come at the end, but he has already come. And that when he came, he didn't come as a guest, but he came as one of us. He couldn't stay away because he loved us so. So when he came into this world, he was not a cyborg. He was not a virtual Lord. He was our brother. He came in our flesh, in our blood. He took into himself all that belongs to us. He came to reside, to abide, not to be a guest. He came to be a savior. Maranatha, Maranatha, whichever way you say it, it is this prayer of unshakable joy. It is this prayer that hearkens us back to the manger, to the incarnation of our Lord Jesus who wants to abide with us and that points us forward to the day when we will see his glory. And we say that prayer on Sunday mornings. Do you know that? In the liturgy of the Lord's Supper, what do we say? As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then the whole congregation says, Amen, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Why do we say it there in the Lord's Supper? Because in this wonderful way, our Lord Jesus, who has come and who will come at the end, still comes to us, not just with words, but with his presence with his real substantial presence to abide with us, to remain with us so that we don't have to wonder, well, is he really going to answer the prayer or not? No, we have this unshakable hope that our Lord has come, that he will come, and that in the meantime, in the meantime, he still abides with us. To him be the glory now and always. And every time you say that word, come Lord Jesus, now you know the Aramaic and every time you say that table prayer, come Lord Jesus, be our guest and let thy gifts to us be blessed. Remember Maranatha, for surely he is coming soon. To him be the glory now and always. Amen.